Welcome to the Frank's Percussion Podcast. I'm Frank. Jimmy Lopez is one of my favorite people in the entire universe. Jimmy is an astounding percussionist who specializes in the sounds and rhythms of world music. Currently living and working in Nashville, I came to know Jimmy when he reached out to me on Instagram and arranged to meet at a club he was playing in Brooklyn called Bembe. Jimmy has a long history of performing with DJs, and I'm super excited to share with you his thoughts and ideas about how to approach this genre as a musician and a drummer. This is a long episode that I'll release in two parts. In the first act, we mostly stick to Jimmy's musical narrative. His free, loving spirit is pouring with good nature and friendship. Plus, he's passionate about his work to no end. I think this comes across clearly. In the second act, that I'm releasing later as part two, Jimmy opens up about sobriety and shares more about his journey than I had ever heard before. As always, Jimmy is gracious and thoughtful in his story, one that I think just about everyone could benefit from hearing. We recorded this episode and all the percussion music you'll hear as accompaniment in Jimmy's home near Nashville, where he welcomed me as a guest. Jimmy Lopez. Hello. How are you? And everybody on your podcast. Hello. For Thank you for listening. I'm so glad to be here. We're in Nashville, Tennessee, or just outside of Nashville. What town are we in, Jimmy? Donaldson. Donaldson. Just outside of Nashville at your beautiful home. Thank you. We're sitting in like your percussion studio room. It's towering from the floor to the ceiling. I love it. We were jamming together yesterday a little bit. We'll include some of that on the podcast. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Not in Nashville. This is my first official podcast in Nashville. So yes to your question, but no in the current town and state I live in now. So we were jamming tonight. We're going to see you play with your friends Trevor and Taylor. Is that yes, right? Yes, Trevor Clark. And Taylor Shuck, two amazing musicians here in Nashville. I love these guys. Trevor is a person. When I moved, when I'm gonna say we, my fiance and I, when we moved to Nashville in May 1st, 2022, just about what that six, seven months ago. Um, my math could be a little off. Trevor Clark is one of the first people that I've met here in Nashville as far as musicians go. I've had friends that live in Nashville and I've known they live in Nashville. Friends like Jeremiah and Nick Davidson and Andy from the Drum Supply House. Like I've known those gentlemen for like close to four, maybe over four years. But moving to Nashville, Trevor Clark is the first person that I met here. We met at a farmer's market called the Hip Donaldson Farmer's Market. I love that place. It's awesome. It's awesome. And we just started talking and then music came up and then he was one of the people who was like, man, come and check this out. You need to come and check this out. I know someone who also does percussion. You need to check him out. So we just became instant friends, really. He's a sweetheart. And then from Trevor Clark, I was introduced to a wider circle of musicians and Taylor Shuck is one of them, who's another amazing musician in Nashville. Yeah. That's so cool. What? <laughs> so tell us what kind of music you're playing with them tonight. Bluegrass. I, and, and what are you playing? I want to say bluegrass. I'm still learning what it is, what bluegrass is, beyond what the genre says it is and beyond what 
recordings exist because you, you there are different um, subgenres of of bluegrass. So one of those sub subgenres are well, two of them are one is called progressive new grass and new grass. So progressive so, new grass, progressive new grass, and new grass, and new Isn't grass. Isn't that what we were? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like <laughs> breathing in, breathing in. But um, yeah, yeah. So progress, you know. And and I love bluegrass music. My introduction to bluegrass music was through a gentleman by the name of Bela Fleck, well-known banjoist. Can I say banjoist? A well-known banjoist who is a part of a music collective known as the Flecktone. So it's Bela, Bela Fleck and the Flecktone. And then so. Coming here, I quickly realized there's a lot of different variations of what new grass is. I'm sorry, bluegrass music. So, so I would say these guys represent like the new school of it. What are you playing tonight? Like specifically, what's your instrumentation? I'm going to be using tonight. Most likely, I'm going to be using a cajon and two congas. Oh, and cool. So cajon, two congas, maybe bongos, and a, a lot of like a shakers and ethereal type sounds. I will help you carry them. Ah, oh, man. That's cool that you're coming. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate being here. I'm, Thanks, I'm man. so glad I get to see a bluegrass group in Tennessee. Yeah. With my friend Jimmy Lopez. Yeah. At a place called Acme in downtown Nashville, which is like a, a, an area where it's all music venues. I was telling you yesterday, it's all these music venues. And Acme is one of these places that when I came here, a lot of people were like, you know, you need to check out Acme. And there's a lot of great music that ha happens at Acme. And it seems like Acme is a place that kind of has opened its doors to music outside of country, you know, outside of like country music, outside of, you know, just the traditional, you know, the, the pop, popular country songs you'll hear when you go up and down Broadway. So, you know, I, I, not that long ago, a friend of mine named a great percussionist slash bassist, his name is Giovanni Rodriguez. He's a Nashville hero down here and he has an amazing salsa band. And they played at Acme. So, so Acme, and like, like I said, I'm still new here, but I quickly I realized that Acme is like a place that kind of opening up, it's opening up his doors to experiment with different groups and sounds. So I'm, I'm very happy to do this music that we're doing tonight at a place like Acme. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Plug in everybody. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. No, Me that's too. good. That's good because then I'll I'll tag a bunch of people. Oh, like, that's cool. Hey, Jimmy called you in the podcast. You should give it a listen. <laughs> you know, and yeah, the circle grows, yeah. and and Jimmy's circle grows, and you know, uh, I I love that it's a trio, right? It, well, well, do when, you what's what's the are you writing music with these guys? Are you are they playing original? If it's a new grass like type of thing. What's the what's the mo of? Is there a name for the band? If right now it's going by Trevor Clark. Trevor the Clark. Guy. He, he the booked the show. We're doing. Okay. We're going under his name, and he has his own albums out. Trevor Clark has his own albums out. I believe Taylor Shuck has an album out, and I know he's recording an album right now. So you can check them out. But those guys are adventurous. So like, they'll take the bluegrass stuff, but they also write their own music. And a guy like Trevor Clark, you'll you can easily hear hip hop in his music. Like he can, he's so good at at, at rhyming on the spot, at the improvisation. His impro these two guys' improvisational skills are amazing, and not limited to a genre of music, but like they are well studied musicians. So a guy like Taylor Shuck, he he can go in and he's gonna throw in 
jazz chords and all these different ideas that he hears from music outside of what what the bluegrass stuff is and he throws that in so so the music is going to be definitely i'm going to say adventurous not like free jazz type of adventurous not like the dexter gordon type of stuff or ed blackwell type of you know stuff but like you know it's it's definitely groovy it's definitely rooted in in traditional stuff but they also take their, their, their musicianship allows the music to go out it's oh, really great. cool yeah yeah so some of the songs might be bl the bluegrass thing some of the songs will sound funky both of these guys have a knowledge of grateful dead music and 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 that music has percussion in it too, and Grateful Dead has this whole world thing happening inside and the whole music. jam up, yes. Find something and jam out. Okay, yeah. We cool. we just find it quick. <laughs> okay. We know the audience is there. We're not gonna take people on this real crazy abstract thing. We just know <laughs> they're here. They know what's going on because they're listening. So when we take a turn someplace, we just make sure that they they're able to go on the ride with us. Cool. <laughs> you were talking to me yesterday. You just touched on it. Knowing the audience here in Nashville, there's some local crowd, but I think you were saying a lot of it is tourist crowd. Depending where you go. And so they come to Nashville and some of the, the gigging is, you know, having the classic country songs on call. So if somebody shouts them out, wants to leave a tip for a song, you can throw it down and it gets it gets the group going. Yeah. People are making requests. Bands are taking requests down here. I just can't wait to see, you know, the heart of like Music City tonight. Yeah. And experience with it tonight and tomorrow. Who are you playing with tomorrow? The, the official name now is the 629 Showcase. 629 for what is described to me because I still have a 347 area code. <laughs> 629 I think is the new area code for Nashville. So they call it the 629 Showcase. So it's like we play maybe five songs as a band. And then we open up the stage for guest artists to come who are coming out with an album. They'll play three or four songs each. And you're backing them up. And then sometimes we're backing them up. Sometimes they have their own band. And then each artist will play their songs. And then once each artist plays their songs, we'll go back on stage, maybe play two more songs as the band. And then we open up the, uh, the jam for the rest of the night. So it goes from like 9 to 1 a.m. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. We're going to have a good time. Good people. Where's that? Huh. It's at a place called Bowie's. Bowie's, right? Bowie's. Bowie's. Bowie's Just, Nashville. Cool. Jimmy, you've been... So I got here yesterday. We took a trip into the city. We saw Fork's Drum Closet and... Yeah. and the Drum Supply House. The Drum Supply House. We yes. met your friend Andy who owns it. That was a trip for me. I love visiting drum shops. It's just a super energizing. Like being in this room. Super energizing for me to see different drums, different mm. percussion, tap here touch all of that right you understand yeah, yeah. you understand yeah. hence the space we're in and i i'll try to post a picture jimmy took a little video clip of us but there are multiple drum sets <laughs> percussion sets in this room and including one two three four five shelves from the floor to the ceiling of mixed drums and percussion. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's wonderful. And then decorated their tambourines on the wall. Posters, my heavy metal posters that I love. But we met Andy. <laughs> we met Andy yesterday. Yeah. And uh really cool guy. We learned that like well, I learned you knew you've helped him that he makes drums for drum supply house, right? Mm -hmm. That's their brand. They have their own drums made and and badged. Uh 
Hello, like hello, Hello Drums is his official, if I'm correct, is his official company, the way he makes amazing snare drums. I, I believe he makes a couple of kits too, but snare drums is a thing that's, that's like his main thing with that company. You met Andy, you were telling me. Four to um, five years ago in Chicago. In Chicago, where you were at the drum show for Muffin Top the Muffin Top Drums, right? A Holland Drum Company. Oh, a Holland Drum Company. Yeah. Did you visit them when you were in Amsterdam? No, his last name is Holland. Oh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> his last name is Holland. Dave, Dave Holland. I'm sorry. Nope. Dave Holland is a percussionist, I believe, in Georgia. Scott Holland is the owner and operator and master builder of uh, Holland Drum Company. And these muffin top drums are, are, are traditionally, they look, and upon first glance, they look like a traditional drum kit. And to you, upon a you know, closer inspection, you'll see that the heads are more of, look more like djembe heads, predominantly by a company called Remo. So Remo has these like synthetic djembe heads. And Scott Holland has found a way to make these wonderful drum shells and has these drums cut in a certain way towards the top so these djembe heads can fit nice and snug and so the lugs can fit on them and you can tune them perfectly and they, it, just, it just enhances the sound. So I use those drums. You and play they, them with they, your hands. I play them with my hands, yeah. yeah. So the whole thing was, yeah, so, so I don't have to use a drumstick to play them, even with the hi-hats and the cymbals. The cymbals are customized too, but the drum set itself, like, you just, they sound amazing. They just, it just, it just, you know, the snare drum sounds like a killer snare drum. He makes all these different sizes, and you can, I, I play them with my fingers, or I use various, you know, techniques used on different ethnic drums, and apply that to the snare drum, and it just sounds nice, and then the bass drum is nice and warm. At least my, mine, the specific sizes I use, and then I have two toms, and floor toms, and experimental drums that's half bass drum half brazilian surdo on top so it's 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 he's provided me with some amazing color to, to play music on. is that another from holland that's his yeah it's another creation oh so, okay so you guys can't see it out there but it's a that looks like a maybe like a 20 a 20 inch long bass drum with a 14 inch round and it's held it's held up vertically with floor tom legs so it's kind of like a cocktail yeah the drum so i can has so it has a pinstripe 14 inch pinstripe on the bottom and then on top i can play with my hands with like a pseudo and use a bass drum an inverted bass drum pedal so it's really cool it's an extra sound so i can use that as a small little bass drum slash pseudo drum or i connect that with my entire kit just if i'm in the recording studio just to get extra sound that's needed <laughs> yeah so you endorse these muffin top guys. Yes, sir. Because you've, you've been to the Chicago drum show several times as like somebody who's like demoing these drums yeah. for people. Yeah. And that's where you met Andy of the yes. drum shop. Yes. And several other people who are your friends here now. This is really cool to me, this drum endorsement. Are you also endorsing Masterwork symbols? Yes. Because they're all over the place. Yes. Here. These yeah. are your hand... They're yeah. much more approachable from the hand, right? Yeah. They're like a thinner edge yes, sir. for attack with the fingers. You want to tell us about a little bit about the Masterworks symbols? Yeah, man. They're I beautiful. saw them. Thank you, man. I saw them online. I was looking for a specific symbol that I'm no longer made. And then upon 
searching on eBay for the specific symbol I'm looking for, that's when I came across a picture of a masterwork symbol. And in the description, that's how I guess the masterwork symbol came up. I was looking for something from it. Jamie Haddad is an amazing, amazing percussionist, plays with amazing musicians on a ton of albums. So I was, he had he had a symbol from a company called Bosphorus, but he had his own line of symbols that he designed for hand percussionists. And I was looking, but they they no longer make those. So I was looking to see if I could find some online, and that's how I found these masterworks in the picture. I was like, oh my god, this looks beautiful. And then started reading it. It just I just saw the, I saw the picture of it. I was like, man, this looks beautiful. What symbol was this? So it kind of just got detoured a little bit and started reading about it. And they're like, yeah, we make them thin, so for any hand percussionist wants to use their hand. So I was like, ooh, okay, well, I like the way to look at it. Let me just buy one, and if I like it, I'll keep it. If not, I'll just resell it. But I liked it. And and then from there, I started you know, purchasing two more symbols before I contacted the company and said, hey, I love what you make. I love what you do. And I would love to collaborate with you to create symbols for percussionists like myself. I have weights weight in mind as far as grams you know how, how thin they should be or heavy they should be and design that I think will work really cool for hand percussionists and they were they were like yeah man send us send us all the specs you want we'll make it for you no problem and so cool. they're based out of Turkey okay. yeah wow so they're based out of Turkey so they're made they're handmade this is not like machine about I mean you know there's machines involved but not like the machine is doing everything like these guys are doing the hammering these guys are you know, it's very hands-on what they do. And so they make these for me, man. I'm like, okay, I want this design or that the hi-hats you see there. Those hi-hats have two jingles on top of the hat. The hi-hat is fully lathed on top, but the bottom hat is raw, I would say, raw, unlathed. Together, they have a nice sound, nice projection, and the jingles on top add extra sound dimension and projection. Because, finger playing. Yeah, for finger playing. Yeah. Because I like, there's an instrument in India known as the Kanjira. It's a small tambor it's a small tambourine and a small shell. So it's a frame drum and and you manipulate the head with putting adding pressure from the fingers that's not striking the drum. But what I love about this instrument, not only the pattern possibilities it's the jingles the chaos of you don't know what the jingles are gonna do you can't control the jingles really just kind of tiki 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 so i was like man that would be cool to have that on hi-hats you know i could play hi-hats using those these hand techniques and uh so they i asked them if they can they put jingles on the hi-hats they're like yeah sure how many you want? What size? Whatever. Do you want them in brass? Do you want them in copper? Do you want them in like? It's like, it's like I was like, wow. Uh, let's try copper color. <laughs> so like, okay, cool. And like in two weeks, they sent it. They're quick, man. The turnaround is quick. They don't advertise a lot, so they're not really known. But they sound amazing. And so for finger playing, they don't hurt my fingers at all. Really, it, it takes. It, it, I really have to whack them hard to hurt my fingers, especially for hitting on the edge of it. It's no, just, they sound beautiful. Thank you. And it's just, they, they just don't hit you. They, they just do not hurt your fingers. So my philosophy as a percussion, well, I started out as a drum set player. And then years later, I got into world music and it was just so many sounds and so many instruments in world music. I was like, I'm going to stop playing drum set and learn world percussion instruments and sounds and 
try to get into as much music from indigenous music from different cultures and countries and stuff. And then years later, I got into I got back into the drum set. So getting back into the drum set, it was weird because like now now my brain is all in this like into all these different instruments. So when you start for me, once I really got into world percussion instruments, I quickly realized like the bass drum, the snare drum sound and the hi-hat sound is missing. You can't duplicate that. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't duplicate that. So, you know, unless you have like certain things you put on your ankle that kind of gives you, you know, I don't have them here, but you know, some jingles on your ankle, you can keep time. And, you know, you can, you know, other than a cajon or or your djembe, you can have bass, there's bass tones, but there's really quite nothing like a, like a bass drum. And when a snare drum, that's all the slaps you do on like if you, like djembe players. If you see you know djembe players who really study that instrument, they're doing you know, and they'll have these metal rattles that are connected to the sides of djembe, so it kind of almost sounds like a snare because it has all these rattles that's just going off, blah 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 blah, kind of echoes it. But it's nothing like a snare drum. And a hi-hat is a hi-hat. You hear a hi-hat, you know it's a hi-hat. It's, so that's what was missing. I real I quickly realized in world beat me instruments. So when I came back to the drum set, started playing, ah, oh, the bass drum, ah, oh, the snare drum, ah, oh, the hi-hat. But then everything else was like, well, now everything else is missing. Hmm. Everything else. That's the sounds of a dumbek, the sounds of a bongo, the sounds of a conga, the sounds of all these talk, talking drums, you know, African talking drums and udus and shake, you know, all these different textures and sounds is now missing from the equation. So, you know, so now I had, that's, so that's what led me to put a kit like this together or it led my path to find what I'm doing now and find my voice. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you brought it full circle. Yeah, I just did. Just realized. I was wondering where I was going with all this. I'm like, wait, where am I going with all this? And uh, yeah, so I'm really glad. So having a kit like this allows me to be both. I, it frees me up mentally to, I don't have to approach a drum set as a traditional drum set player. I don't have to approach percussion like a traditional percussionist in any music that you're playing percussion for. So it's now I could take sounds and ideas and rhythms and put it apply it to this to to a kit like this and you know i still have some bells on my ankles and stuff like that to play with the hi-hat but you know adding shakers and playing shakers and stuff together i don't have to use a drumstick because now i can just grab something use something with my hand put that thing down touch another drum and don't have to or if i'm playing a hi-hat and I want to go over to the ride or go over to a pattern on the top. I don't have to worry about where am I going to put the stick? How am I going to put the stick down at that extra millisecond of doing so? It just, everything just flows. Yeah. Hands free. Hands free. Except for the ride symbol. Or free hands. Yeah, except for the ride symbol. But I use a tambourine to augment for a ride symbol. Okay. So I'll try. I didn't want to use sticks, right? Okay. Like, I love working with. I like working with all type of artists, all type of musicians, all types of instruments. But I love, personally, I love acoustic guitar players, right? Because especially the ones that don't use a pick, that use their hands. Like the best, the best. I mean, classical musicians use their hands, fingers. Flamenco musicians, a lot of them use their fingers. And so, and I know there's so many other musicians and, and music genres where a the guitar player uses their fingers. You know, there's no need to mention all of them. For very fast playing, yeah, but also you, that soft attack. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. So yeah. it's like, wow, here's a person. Let's take the almighty Paco, Paco de la Cia, right? Plays with his hand, plays with his fingers. He can play faster than anybody can play with their pick. You know, he plays delicately, delicately, beautifully. He does, you can just, it's all hands. So if he's playing something super fast, with his hand, like that, that's all fame. There's YouTube videos of him just going, like just playing so fast. You're like, whoa, effortlessly. So, but they have a connection with their instrument that there's no second party, third party. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's nothing there. So yeah, so I wanted to have that connection to my drums. Like this is my finger generating that sound. And can I just say your yeah. touch? Thanks. Is so good. I've seen you play a strong handful of times. We were jamming before. Yeah. You play them. You play wonderful. Your touch is so good, and the times I've seen you play, you have you you play you play quietly, mm. and every time I'm like, damn it, he's right, <laughs> he's right. Like every, <laughs> if you can play soft, mm. if you can be deliberately soft. Right, like you don't want to sound like you're sneaking around. Mm. It's got to be deliberate. But, okay. And you're, yeah, you, and I'm like, damn it, he's right. So when we jammed yesterday, a lot of it, I'm like, oh, he's playing. I gotta really work. I have to, I have to really check myself so that I'm not out overpowering what's going on, playing too loud. And you know, that that's fun. That's me. the focus for me is bringing it down, balancing. Okay. And I was like, oh man. He's right. <laughs> when you play soft, you're it's oh, it's just very powerful. So dynamics. I think a lot of drummers, young drummers especially, you know, it's fun. Well, but so many more musical situations call for let other people have their their moment. Like the melody is so important rather than just the time. As beautiful as we know that is. Right? The melody is often what people latch on to more. That's yeah. what they think they're listening for. That's oh, the melody. Right? Okay. But yeah, I just love the way you Thank play you. soft, Jimmy. It's Thank wild. You. That's the jazz. That's the that's jazz. The jazz. That's Watch the, out the with jazz. That. That's the jazz. Hey. Art Blakey. Art Blakey. That's the guy. That's my one of my favorite jazz drummers. One of his philosophies as a jazz musician is like, you know, you don't have to play loud. You can play soft, but with the proper but if you can play soft and know where to hit and how to hit the drum and touch the drum, you can get a full sound by not going, but not hitting too forcefully. And by using like the shank of the drumstick on the cymbals and the ride cymbal, you can get amazing tonality and you can get the aggression out by knowing when to hit, how to hit without having to, 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 to hit hard and stuff like that. And I thought that was cool, man. I feel like you can you can get away with a lot more. Mm, yeah, that's true. If you wanna if you wanna place an intricate pattern, if you wanna feature it like in the middle of something that maybe it doesn't normally belong. Right. If you've been playing soft, you've been in the pocket, right? Like the group trusts you, you trust their time, and you're like down down low with it. You can rip and and be like, did that guy just right, right. pull that out? And like nobody turned around and said nothing, like smacked him in the head. 
you know, and that's what I'm talking, and because it's just right, it's just yeah. So, and that's one of. I mean, I've I've seen, I've learned that from you. Thanks, man. It's a lesson we learn over and over again. Oh, learn from each other. But I see it in you, and I go, oh man, he's right. And because I know you, and I, when I see you playing, oh, you know, I'm that. like invested in like, what's he doing? Why? Is he, <laughs> why is he so good? I always thought it was like, why is he doing that? Makes <laughs> no sense. No, no, it, it makes great sense. <laughs> Which brings me to like, so yes, sir. how we met, when you were talking about Masterworks symbols, yes. you would reach out to them. I'm just doing that with my finger. I don't know if you can hear that. Butter. Beautiful. Like butter. It really is. Yeah. You, you would reach out to them and, and they were like, cool. And I guess you were like, hey, I like what's going on here, one thing or another. I think that you're talking about the Jimmy Lopez method. The Jimmy Lopez method. Because that's basically <laughs> how we met. Uh, we were we added each other. We found each other on Instagram one way or another. One day I op- I might get an inbox or maybe we liked some of each other's posts. I did reach out to a you. A comment. You did, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure it's still there in the Instagram logs. Ooh. But you said something to the effect of like, hey, man, I see what you're doing. I think it's great. Like, I'm playing at Bembe. You should come check it out. Like, come get in and, uh, you know, like, you could sit in for a few minutes and, and you know, like, like let's be friends or <laughs> something more or another. And I was like, this guy's awesome. Oh, I appreciate oh, this that. This is great. Oh. I was like, yeah, I'd love to come see you pl- do you this in the club. you killed it that night. You were killing Thank it, boy. You. I was like, woo, I got skills. Thank you. But, oh. But you I mean, how to play. but you really killed it. We were, oh, we, we killed it. We I fun. went with a date. Yes. And I remember. I remember thinking like, oh man, I, I know this is Jimmy's regular gig, but he, it's like he knows exactly what the DJ is going to play. Like mm. he knows all of these songs really well. Mm. And knowing, like having, you know, been getting into this and doing this for a short while at that time, but still a while, knowing that, you know, the name of the game is generally knowing the tune and improvising a lot of it. And then I said, Jimmy, do you know all these songs? And you were like, no. Them for like, right. some of them for years, it's kind of like, okay, I, I, I think I know. Right, that's song. how it runs. But yeah. you were like, no, I don't know. And I was like, oh man, of course, it's the same gig in a little different capacity. Yeah. Where Bembe is a bit more music in the Spanish language and a bit more reggaeton, right? Like I would say a that. bit more. They catered to like the, like, the, world, the world stuff. Right. More of the world stuff. But yeah, there's a lot of Latin esque music that goes on. But they have different nights where it's like African. African music or some some African stuff and some 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 Brazilian some Brazilian stuff. Fun night, I remember that night. But wow, how long ago was that? At least four years, wow. probably more like five. Wow. Yeah, thank. So thank you for reaching out. Yeah, dude. And um, thank you for saying hello back. And since then, <laughs> since then we've traded gigs together too. That is true. But, uh, that is true. Thank you for the work. Then you called me. I got to sub at Bembe, and I just was yes, like sir. so over the moon. That's right. That I got to do that gig. I think twice. Nice. Good for you. And you and I have traded work. And like anytime I've gone to see you play, it's given me a new opportunity somewhere, nice. somehow. That happened. And I just thank you for that, Jimmy. It's really helped my career or early on. Your career? Damn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My Damn. career in this. And... You're just somebody I've learned a lot from for this hybrid fusion stuff. Okay. 
because you've been doing this now for so what what is the hive been fusion i i'm calling it anything any dj and musician ah, okay. combination got it got it nice. which also extends that's to cool, like that's a cool name sax for it. and tracks you know yeah. like sax and tracks right, i love well, that that's a thing for cocktail hours <laughs> yeah you know, it's real and you go, know like go to itunes let me get some, let me get some heavy metal pop sax and tracks <laughs> or um, um, i hear you i hear you or like even elvis or frank sinatra singers you know yeah the wedding like, the wedding thing is pre-recorded music like in the live element in the live enter in the live events usually with musicians, mm. one or more musicians. Mm -hmm. How long have you been doing that? Working with DJs? Yeah. Oof, uh, a number on it, but I'm trying to... Def... <laughs> I might show my age. I've been in New York City for 20 years. You're, of course, 96 years old. I'm 96 years old? Yes. Bald. I'm going to say, so 20... I'll cut out. <laughs> no, leave it in. Leave it in. <laughs> Jimmy's 96? No, I'll cut out bald. <laughs> cut out bald. <laughs> wow, he's 96. Jimmy's got a beautiful head of hair for a 96-year-old. <laughs> so, okay, so I lived in New York City for 20 years. And then, so, one, two. I'm going to say, let's... I want to say... I want to say 25 years. I really do want to say 25 years. 2001... So 2001 is when I got there. To New York. From Jersey? From Jersey. Okay. From Jersey to New York. So 2020. So 2000. Let's say between 24 to 25 years. Okay. 24. Four, four, about four, four and something, four, four and a half years maybe in Jersey. And then made the transition over to New York City. In 2021, no, not 2021, 2001. I'm sorry, 2001. So yeah, I would say about 20, let's say 24 years playing with DJs. Who did you get started with? Do you remember? The first DJ I've ever officially played with is, I'm going to say is DJ Emski, Mark, who's also an amazing hip hop lyricist. DJ Emski, and he has Instagrams you should follow. He plays great music. He still he still slings vinyl, old school. DJ Emski, and I want to say, I'm probably going to get this name wrong, but I think that's the name, Juggler. I believe Juggler is an also amazing lyricist within reggae and, and subgenres that follow through reggae music, but he's also an amazing DJ, and I hope it was with Juggler. But it was definitely DJ Emski who's the first official person at a place called Love Sexy, owned by John Vargas, who I still bump into once in a while when I go back to New York City. John Vargas. And it okay. was like some house music mixed with some hip-hop music, mixed with a little bit of German bass-ish. And yeah. So it was like a club party. It was a club, yeah. It was like my that was like my first stuff. And I was like, whoa, what is Damien? Damien Vasquez. That's who it is. Damien Vasquez was the official person who put me on to playing with DJs and he asked me hey oh and you know, we were talking because we had I was playing with a band called Hedge at the time they, they were mixing the rap and metal thing hardcore thing early on and it's great music Hedge check out Hedge so through Hedge that's how I met Damien and one day Damien and I were talking and he was like oh I see you do percussion you ever play with DJs I was like yeah of course, all the time. Yeah, of it was course. Like, oh, word? Where, where are you playing? <laughs> oh, right now, right now. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't. I don't know what the fuck. I didn't know what that was. I was playing along to records and stuff. So he was like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He was like, you play with DJs? I was like, yeah. 
He said, oh, okay, cool. So you play your congas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You use a microphone, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, word. I'm doing a party up in the Hoboken. You should come down and play a little bit. I was like, okay, cool. What kind of music? Ah, you know, house and all that. I was like, his house. And, I, you know, at that time, I didn't even have congas. So I went out and bought congas. Awesome. For some reason, I, I, I don't know why. I, I, had, I think I had them, and then I... They, I didn't use them for a long. I don't know what it was, but I remember getting going out and purchasing a set of beautiful white minor congas. Yes, which started the love affair of minor percussion. So they were white minor percussion congas. I used those for years. So I started to learn, play along with that stuff at the house. Like, okay, I, I, okay, cool. And then went to the club and just they were just playing things I've never heard before. So it was just about how do I how do I fit in as a musician playing to a record? Hear, hear the sounds that's going on on the records. And even though there are congas patterns on there, so let me cop those conga patterns. Let me play along to that. And then I'll embellish the stuff. But everything was all about following the records for me. And guys like Mark, DJ Emsky, and The Juggler were, you know, they were really cool. They, they must have liked what was going on because I wasn't overdoing anything because I didn't know the songs to overdo anything. So I was just like, "What? What? What is these? What is this music?" So let me just survival mode. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So let me just stay in the back, learn the beats that I'm hearing. So I'll or or maybe there's no percussion on the album, but some I believe in something called a third color theory. So I might hear a saxophone, and the way the saxophone, a certain saxophone sound is mixed with the bass. It almost sounds like there's a percussion thing happening. It almost sounds like there is a cowbell there or there is like some sort of conga pattern happening. Even if there's no conga, it's just the way the two sounds. You hear it, it comes to you? Yeah. Okay. It's with the way it's, the two sounds rub together coming out I from the speakers. Yeah. I love, I love the way you say that. that that's a magic moment for this podcast. Thank you. Ah, the third the, color theory. The third color. That's what it's, I call it. It's what inspires you to put a groove down. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Jimmy, so, the, so much. The, the groove is there. Yeah. The sound is there. It's just I'm hearing that sound. I don't know if anybody else because they might just hear it as the, it's a saxophone. There's a saxophone part playing, and the bass is just there. But I'm just hearing like those two sounds rub together. It sounds like a kink, 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 kink. So I'm like, I'll have a cowbell. I'm just going kink, 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 and it worked. It just works, and that's how I started developing a style of playing with DJs. To, to go with what you were saying earlier. But I'm going to stop there because you asked me who the first DJ was. So I'm going to say DJ Emsky. DJ Emsky, <laughs> who is spinning vinyl, you said. Still spinning vinyl. Still, I still, think, still spinning vinyl up in Brooklyn. I think there could be something to that for like this art okay. that we do. Okay. Because it's a full analog and, you know, like definitely a different way of depth from the vinyl. So mixing more analog instruments with that, I think, might be the ultimate form, even mm. though so mm. much of our world is digital. And it's yeah. so close, right, nowadays. Yeah. It's so good. But I think there might be something, if, if for vinyl DJs out there, hit us up. Yeah. Frank and Jimmy will both play with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll play and I'll watch. We'll both. No. Yeah. gig to me is I'm playing drums like, like you and I are both on the gig. Ah, be fun. Like trading, trading, swapping setups. Oh man, and just both, yeah, nasty, bust, yeah, both grooving. So I'll be, I'll be watching. But here's the thing: those records, those old school records. A lot of these bands were not using a metronome, so the music has a natural sway. The music has a natural way of breathing. 
So it's almost organic, right? So it's almost organic. That helps too. You know, even though it's coming out of speakers, coming from the record, from the needle, the sound going through, however that technology goes, how that the science behind that works, going from the, the wax all the way out to the monitors or the speakers to the people. And then you have someone like you or me playing an organic acoustic instrument. So when a DJ starts playing these old school records, or even if they're sampling from those records, you, there's still that breath within it. You know, when you sample James Brown's drummer, you don't quantize that. You leave that thing the way it is, no matter how many bars it is, because it's always going to have that, that, that jump. Like, or Bonham, Bonham. That's why Bonham is one of the most recorded sampled guys in hip-hop and stuff, and it's organic. I'm a human, so I'm not metronomic in any way. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I have a really good sense of time, but again, I'm human, so my time is going to sway. So when you play into records like that, it's like, yeah, breathe. That's the way to breathe. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid and a young drummer, a friend of mine's stepdad was also a drummer. And one day he, like, gave me this tape. Okay. He goes, Frank, this tape, it's like leaked, like John Bonham tracks like from the studio it's just like at the time i mean i didn't know it was just the stem really mm-hmm. of of john bonham's drumming and he's like you can hear the rest of led zeppelin from his headphones and stuff in the mics but this is just what he was playing on like uh, fool in the rain mm-hmm. and a couple other tracks off of that record and so i like went home and listened really intently because at the time i just wanted to hear drums anyway you know that was my earliest experience with drum like, like you said, sampled. So he said, but like, don't give this to anybody. He was like, <laughs> I and I think now I, I've just since learned that like those that that's out there. I, he's like, because if anybody was like pulling from this or stealing it, like, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, isn't that how it works? I but I, but I think it's out there. But it was still cool to just hear the drum tracks off of something that got recorded and yeah. be like, oh, like, I, I could this yeah maybe maybe this is like what i want to do and anyway yeah yeah cool great (laughs) and like i said playing with djs early on was just listening listening and learning so i'm learning on the bandstand while people are dancing i I, at that point i already i was already a fan of tito puente and and latin music and having and i have some form of understanding of the historical content of like clubs like the palladium and other clubs that existed in new york city when like when there were no DJs, when it was just an actual Latin band playing for the people to dance and the important of the groove and the important of everything. So I understood that people are dancing to the music and that music is important. It has, there's an importance to it. It's going to keep them going and they're not there to hear me. It's not that at all. It was more important for me to learn what the hell are they playing to. You know, this is when I was discovering... Louis Vega for the first time, you know, Masters at Work for the first time, you seminal artists in, like, let's just say house music in general, and, you know, it's just like, what is this stuff, and it's just the Latin stuff there, but there's a different tempo, there's a different vibe, and just learn, just learn, and, and, and it was a great lesson to me, for me too, because I'm learning new patterns from percussionists that are actually on those records that are not traditionally coming from the traditional Latin thing, but the Latin instruments are there. 
So I'm like, oh, that's a cool pattern. And I will go home and learn those licks and stuff. And then whenever I hear that record again, I'm like, oh, I know that pattern's gonna happen. So what do I do? Do I go for it? Do I cop it line for line while they're playing it? Or do I just lay down a nice groove and let the person on that record hit that? Because I have respect for that person on the record. So I'll, die, so I'll do that lots of times. And it's like, you know, playing and like Sheila E will come on or, or they'll do remixes of Tito Puente when he's going to his solos. And I'm, I'm not going to play over a Tito Puente solo, even if I do know it lick for lick. You know, I'm, I'm, that's the master. So I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to let it do it. And... People respect that, and then within these songs, like I, after years of doing it, I, I now songs I, it's very familiar with me, so I know which pockets to take, what to ad lib, and not to ad lib. So I'll do stuff like that. But normally, when I hear like someone well known who I who I grew up listening to, and I hear it on the record, it's like, oh, I'm gonna let that person do, oh, I'm gonna let that person do that thing. But yeah, it's it. So that's what it was early on, just learning what exactly what was going on, because I had no idea at that time what this music genre they were playing. You know, when they played hip-hop, okay, hip-hop, I was already into hip-hop, so I, I, you know, and plus my playing at that at that time, early on when I was doing it, I didn't know a lot of things. So I wasn't like coming in with all these fancy patterns and fancy licks, because I didn't know a lot of that stuff, you know what I mean? So I'm learning that stuff. I literally learned, I literally learned music more on jobs than going to school and having teachers. Teachers actually came later on. Although when I studied drum set in grammar school, I had a, a teacher who taught me how, you know, the, the rudiments and the basics and basic reading and playing, you know, La, La Overture 2112 and stuff like that. But like going out and now playing with DJs and playing to music I've never heard before. So it's a learning experience and I like learning new things. So it's a, it was a nice marriage, I, I would say, because I'm not getting in the way of what's going on. And I like to think I'm enhancing it or just... The idea, here's the thing. The idea for me was to be part of the record. That, that is the idea. So that was my modus operandi for years, to play as if I'm part of the record. You know what I mean? No matter what I'm doing. Now, you know, in the beginning, that was survival. That's how I had to eat. And I was getting paid, you know, to do these gigs. So like someone was paying me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit, I'm getting paid. I'm sorry. You know, I'm getting paid. This is awesome. But like I had to learn this stuff, so I'm learning things. I mean, I'll hear something, and I'm like, "That sounds cool. Let me just mimic that." You know what I mean? I I, I do at that time. I did have music etiquette, so I understood you know, compositions, and you know, things have a, a beginning, a middle section, a this section, a setup for different sections, dynamics. Something's gonna go down, and a lot of musicians. A lot of songs, the instruments are going to stop and there's a buildup, especially in DJ music. You know what I mean by that? For those who don't understand, you know, you'll have stuff like and you hear like, you know, and the music goes down. So you're like, okay. Got to watch out for some, for that stuff. Yes. Sometimes. Yes. So as a musician, since in the beginning, I'm in survival mode, learning everything I can, BSing my way. On the you know, playing live and fake it till you make it. Yeah. You don't have to call it BS. <laughs> yeah. fake, fake it till you, you make know, it. Learning, I, yeah, learning it. So when the DJs will go into that, when they start playing with the faders and stuff. So I was looking at so so if anybody okay talking about playing with DJs, if you ever see me playing with a DJ, you're gonna always you'll see me you know make you know being with the crowd and stuff and performing. But I'm always looking at some somehow some way. I'm always 
purposely set up so where I can see a DJ. Mostly the hands. I need to see where the hands are going because early on I was watching their hands and figuring out what they're doing on the mixing board. I have my, my, my oldest brother, Felix, amazing DJ, so I would watch him. And he, was, he explained the mixing board to me and what this button does, what that button does, what this fader does. So I, knowing that, watching a DJ, oh, he's going to hit this fader button thing, which creates an effect. So let me stay where I'm at and listen to the effect. So they might do something like a flange effect, and I... So it goes back. So I'm like, okay, cool. So that's their moment of shine. That's their solo. That's their fill. So let me... And since I'm learning the music, let me be as dynamic as the music too. Let me engage in the the sound level. So So if I'm hearing as a musician with the etiquette of being a musician playing in an ensemble. So when I hear music coming through the speakers, it's an ensemble for me. So that's my mindset. It's an ensemble for me. So I'm listening and I'm playing. So I'm in the band. So in my brain, I'm on stage with a bunch of musicians. In reality, it's a DJ myself. You know what I mean? But like in the land of make-believe, I'm on stage with musicians and I hear them. <laughs> but Sorry. But... You're, but you're, uh, you're touching on something that, with that, and I loved how you said you want oh, to play your being in the record, right? Yes. But you're touching on something with the land of make-believe that, like, you have to take it that seriously. Yeah. You have to – the part of it is the show, but you have to sell the show as it's going for, like, people to – connect it for people to just so that you're not just a guy that was there playing drums right on the dj you're like mm, mm. you were the music you were the you were like you know you were part of the record that night you have to sell that and you have to go to that place yeah please go on if, ah. I, if I stopped you no 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 that's 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 the thing and, and and being in that space allowed me to fully embrace and being a musician and being a musician and I my mindset is still like that. If I'm playing with a DJ, I, I approach it as playing with a band and or I'm in a recording session with only one take to get it right. So why am I going to do more than what is needed to do? Because there's a whole song, there's a composition that's being laid out. And I have to honor that. That's where I come from. And I, that, that was early on for me because it was survival how to get to that point. And in years, as, as time grows on, working with DJs, it was just like, oh, okay, he's doing, okay, this is house, and oh, okay, this is Latin house, okay, this is like some Afro house, okay. At this point in time, like years later, studying percussion, studying music, and, you know, learning different things, I said, like, okay, this is going into like a different tempo change, or this is going to a 6-8 pattern, or when you get sophisticated, learning the art of playing music and learning the art of different time signatures and stuff and what does fit with another time signature so a DJ will play something that's like a 4-4 four, four, boom, 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 boom but I can like play with a 6-8 rhythm on top of it to create this kind of like slowing down tempo kind of you know boom, boom and I'm like it almost sounds like the tempo slowing down a bit and so playing along with stuff like that but that all I could only get to that part because of my love, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying no, no one can do that. Anybody can do that. 
But for me to feel it that way, I had to have gone up playing with DJs and watching what they do and learning how what they do with their mixing board. That's that's why I think I left off. Watching them is important. If you if you're playing with a DJ, right? For me, it's a it's, it's a genre. It's like playing jazz. It's like playing Afrobeat. It's like playing heavy metal. You you and someone else, and the sound is coming from somewhere, right? DJ's no different than a guitar player, right? A guitar player doesn't make it sound by itself. You gotta like plug it into something, and then something happens. Same thing with records. You know, they're they are they are musicians too. Even though they play a lot of music that's already created, they are musicians too. They're artists, but a lot of them are artists too, and a lot of them appreciate the DJs who they used to go see. They may have never became that person to play original music and play in clubs. Many have gone different routes within DJ culture and different stuff. Now, not not playing the dance clubs, the you know the old you know man, the limelights, the Avalons, the the you know the shelter. I'm naming those old school clubs, the New York Club Shelter. But I know Nicodemus, DJ Nicodemus, is another important name in the DJ realm. DJ because he's he's been doing the DJ hybrid thing for years with a percussionist friend of mine. They're both my friends, Gordon Clay, aka Nappy G, one of the best percussionists in my opinion to play with with DJs. He's the guy that I looked up to, and I had no choice to look up to because it's the the stage was so high, you have to like tilt your head up and look up, you know. <laughs> But those are the cats that were doing it outside of like wedding culture, outside of corporate culture, doing it for the nightclub, straight up nightclub stuff. And they were doing it in New York before before things became trendy with going into a club and you have to purchase a seat with bottle, bottle service. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be trying to be play, you know, before that whole corporate I can't, can't say corporate, but before that whole thing started table service and produced yeah like a lot of yeah a lot of these clubs where you go and you dance you buy beer you buy a drink and put the talcum powder on the floor those are the old school you see someone putting talcum powder on the floor they they either came from old school dance parents or whatever but so that bg and turntables in the hudson were the first proponents that i saw coming to new york city from jersey who were the the group doing that in clubs and they were doing it to big clubs. It wasn't small clubs. It was like it was a big thing. And and they continued to do it literally all over the world. And they have records out. But so yeah, so so for me, like I said, a DJ is is another musician. So I'm just playing with another musician and people just happen to this has happened to be a gig where people dance. And I like playing to DJs. I do, because I learned a lot and it has helped me out doing what I do outside of DJ culture. So it helps me think of saying a lot of things with the quickest amount of time, but try to be try to be as tasteful with it as possible where it sounds like I know what I'm doing cuz like I said it's this is in my brain this is a one shot record date. <laughs> so I got to make sure that it is hitting it's whatever. So it might be and then the song goes into another section. So like so I'm contributing to that in places that does not have those sounds, if it makes sense. But it's very important to look at the DJ. That's what that, I guess if there's, a, if there's a message in this for anyone who's into playing with DJs, whether you're a percussionist, saxophone player, violin, things like that, because if the DJ goes into something else in the song or decides to augment the sound control panels on that board, and he, he decides to, because a lot of DJs are very hands-on, 
So they like to mess with the sounds. Or some of these guys come from the scratch battle DJ era. So they know how to scratch. They know how to augment that record, slow it down, whatever. So if you're just playing the melody that's popular melody of the song, but the DJ's like, I've been playing this song for over and over. I'm going to mess with it. You got to be in tune to that. That's the gig. It's my gig is I follow whatever the DJ does. I show up. I set up with my appropriate instruments. I choose the instruments that I think of the music the DJ is going to play. And I know there's going to be congas on stuff. I know there's going to be timbales on stuff. But those instruments don't exist together on the same record all the time. So I, I can have my pocket moments or play thing or just play the actual pattern or play stuff that will enhance that what's going on. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful music. It's beautiful music. It's a beautiful genre. It's, I, I, it's a genre to me. If I'm talking too much, feel free to cut me off this call. No. strong. But, I loved what yeah. you said. You shared a lot of things that like, there were a lot of thoughts that I feel like I've had in different words, mm, mm, mm. but you also shared some like real cool tips. I'm going to listen back to this a bunch <laughs> of times. Like really, I, got a, I learned a, a ton from what you just said just now. Because so, it's a hybrid, right? Yeah. It's a hybrid. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a person who comes at it from a full approach. You know, it's called a hybrid thing, right? So it's like a DJ, a person who plays a complete composition. Whether the song fades at the end, nine times the tens, it doesn't fade at the end. It's just a continuation of a continuation of a continuation, you know, and you're the live musician. So it should sound like both people are on the same page musically. And it's, you know, yes, the DJ is behind the booth. And if it, depending how famous the DJ is, people will go and just, I've seen, I've seen that happen. Go people just watch the DJ. They'll just sit and watch the DJ. They'll just, just like watch stare the DJ. at him. Yeah. It's so like, oh funny, right? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, just, I'm like, oh my God, he pressed the fader. Oh my God. And as a live musician, you're like, okay. But like, you know, it, it, sometimes musicians feel like, well, I'm the musician. You should be watching me. <laughs> yeah. That's also funny. <laughs> Cause I do feel that way. <laughs> why are you not watching? Sorry. Why are you not watching me? I'm, I'm freaking playing an actual thing. You're like, but- look, drums. This is the coolest <laughs> yeah. thing ever, right? Drums. And there and people, there are people, Jimmy. <laughs> you, you get that? There are people that don't care at That's all so about funny. the drums. Did Who's you know that? that? Yeah. There, there, those people exist? Yeah. Not in my world. Like, nah. Everybody's like, in, in my world, everybody goes, I want to play the drums <laughs> just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of, and, and like and if you hit it together, because they, they they know you're there. So if they're watching the DJ, it's one of two things. They just want to see who the DJ is, what they do, what they're doing. Because sometimes, you know, some a lot of them are stealing songs because the DJ might be playing something that they never heard yet, exclusive. So they got their phones out and just trying to take a snapshot of the screen. Like, who is this? Let me try to. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. Or people just like the because the DJ, like I said, that's lots of these DJs that I know. They create their own songs. They 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 remix songs. They take samples of other songs and do something so beautiful with it. So people just kind of want to see what they're doing. And some DJs I work with are very hands. A lot of DJs I work with are very hands on with the mixer. Very hands on with augmenting sounds and so and when, it's masterful. It's so, so masterful. So when you're there, I really mm. loved the way you put it together. Like. When you're there and you can see the DJ turning, not dials, ah. in this capacity, because if you are lucky enough to be like invited to share in creating music and art while the DJ is playing like their original music or even their original mixes, they work very hard. Some DJs don't like this at all because they've worked hard on their mix and they're like, I don't want anybody to just come and like improvise over what I'm doing. And I get that too. 
you know, there is this multimedia experience we can create. There is this performance that we have. I love that you are watching, like super important. At the same time, then, you yeah. know, like if we get a wedding gig, mm -hmm. you show up and the DJ's like, yeah, you're going to go in front of the booth. And okay. <laughs> yeah. And then a, a lot of times yeah. I think of that as, as dancing with my, you know, dancing on my drums with you know the wedding music and, yeah you know we're yeah. we, we don't have to recap the full wedding repertoire we generally know what it is but you know and that's it's also maybe sometimes easier in that capacity because we usually know what to expect when certain songs come on they've been top 40 for for 50 years sometimes and yes. we've heard them you know we've done weddings we have experience in that repertoire as well so it's like dancing only Audible, audibly yeah right but yeah i i loved the way you put that down so you started at the love sexy love sexy in kind of hoboken new jersey i don't even know the year i don't know the year i'm sure there's a, there's a there's where did a it go for you from there oh okay love sexy uh, so love sexy was but that's early 2000s no this is 90 hey. 90 Somewhere between nine, yeah, somewhere between ninety-five and ninety-seven. So I was between five and seven years old. Wait, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying my age. I don't look my age at all. No, you do look very young. I Jimmy. appreciate it, but and, being and, ninety, and you think young, and you move around like yeah. you're young. Yeah, yeah. Ah, thanks, man. Yeah, you um, are very pure of heart. Ah, thanks. So are this you, is, man. I love this you. This is Jimmy Lopez. Has uh, even in this room, you've got like the mandala thing going on. Yeah, you've got. It's like very open-minded and really there is, you have a great love vibe to you. Ah, thanks. And man. that's part of what makes you approachable. That's when you when mm. you messaged me, it was like this guy has just nothing but good intentions and yes. wants to share good music with good people. And I'm lucky enough that like he thinks that this would be a good experience for both of us. That's how it felt. Yeah, I pre uh, okay. So now I know better. Okay, no, <laughs> I no, it. truly, I appreciate it. And before I get into the where I went after Love Sexy, bringing what you just said, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I appreciate, right? I appreciate. I appreciate other artists. I appreciate all of the records I've ever heard, all the music I've ever heard. Right? I appreciate the people playing because those are the people that I've learned from. One way or another, where I actually later on in life was able to actually sit down with some of these people and say, what were you doing on this record? Exactly. Or just listening to them, allowing what I've learned from them to be put into the, tool, the, the musician's toolbox and make money either taking influence from those patterns that I've learned or actually playing those patterns because they actually fit into what's going on. So we're all artists, right? So my thing is I appreciate. I, I am a musician. I am an artist, but I am also a lover of music. I am also a fan, and I am still a fan of those who create and play, right? I am still a, I'm still a fan. I'm always going to be a fan. For me, I appreciate, and I have an understanding that everybody plays at different levels. And as an artist and a musician, you should be able to hang with anybody in any level because a true artist and musician realizes that no matter where you are, there's going to be someone above you level-wise playing on your level or below your level. And as a musician, you should be able to play with anybody on any level. No music should be below you. No musician should be below you. So for me, it's like, man, 
I would rather have a friend and encourage because I notice there's not a lot of encouragement many times with musicians. There's not a lot of, hey, what's up, man? You know, I see you doing something. I do it too. This is cool that this two of us are doing this. You know, come check me out one day. You know, come check me out. Sit in. Maybe you invite me to come check you out and sit in. And it should be, at least I try to make it this way. It should be about we're all here doing it together. You know, there's different ways of doing it. And we're all artists. And why the, why the heck are we going to, like, not make a friend or stuff like that? That's, that's just me. I just want to, you know, and so as I guess what, I, what I'm trying to put out here to the podcast is it's okay to reach out to, that's it. It's okay to reach out to people. I love reaching out to people because I like making friends, you know. I like to make friends. And it's the encouragement and support for other artists should be a thing amongst artists. It should be a thing. It should be a thing. And that happens with DJs too. Some DJs hate on other DJs. Some DJs talk crap on other DJs. Well, I DJ in this club and the Sound of Ministry in the UK. This other guy does weddings, so he's not really a DJ. No, that's BS. Everybody's an artist, man. Not everybody had the same breaks. Not everybody was able to approach things the way you got into the door. Whether you got through the door tooth and nail fighting, that's great. Maybe the other guy had different obligations and couldn't do it. But, you know, I know a lot of wedding DJs that kill it. Yeah, they play the top 40 stuff, but if you listen to how they go from one song to the next song and the stuff they play... There's still magic out there. Fuck yeah, dude. You know, I, I, you and I have been in the winning business for a long time, and I can say that I've heard DJs when they're setting up and sound, check. sound checking, the stuff that they're playing and sound checking, it's like, what? Don't you, you wish know? a lot of times they would play that yeah. during the party? Yeah. What's with that? And I guess that was the, the tangent I want to get on. It's just like, man, it's okay to be friends. Because I know in, in, the, in the wedding thing too, cats are like, hey, what's up? I'm a percussionist too. And if you ever can't make it to a gig... I would like to put you, you know, put me on the roster. And the same thing. You want to get a cup of coffee? You want to hang out? You want to jam to make friends? I've done that with some some drummers in the wedding thing. And I got crickets <laughs> coming back. But at the same time, a person like you, I've been friends with for like five five years. And like you're sleeping over my house this week. And it's great. We're, we're, we're family at this point. And there is no competition because everybody's different anyway. Come sit in. Come check out. Come meet so-and-so and so-and-so. Whether you play, whether we become friends or not, my thing is let's meet, let's hang out. No, not no. I'm sorry, not whether we become friends or not. Whether we play the music together or not, right? Let's at least meet. Let's at least know that we exist. Like like now, I'm in Tennessee. I'm making friends. I'm making and musicians come over. We jam, and we have a good time. Whether they call me for a gig or not is he is really kind of irrelevant. The relevancy is. Not because we don't get along, maybe because my style or their style right now doesn't make sense for what they're doing with the artists. But at some point, we're going to play music together later on. You know what I mean? You, that happened. But I, at least I made a friend. Someone can be like, oh, hey, you should contact this guy because he's a cool guy and he plays this type of music and that's what you're looking for. I think this person will fit your situation. You might not fit in everybody's situation right now, but people change, art changes, and you never know. So I guess... What took so long to say this is make a friend. If someone reaches out, it's okay to reach out back. You'll know if someone has ill intentions. You, you'll feel that energy. Oh, this person's just using me for gigs and stuff like that. But if someone really reaches out and wants to hang out and can I come see you play and let somebody sit in. Who cares? Be careful now, Jimmy. 
And everybody's like, everybody's like, come to the gigs now. Jimmy, let me sit down. When you talk about making friends, <laughs> it sounds like actual wisdom here. <laughs> Hang on. That's, Thanks for listening. That seems like the right way to do it, man. And, and, and you've, you, I've heard you. You've said this. I'm so glad you said it again. You've no, said this to me in the past. Okay. We've been through this. Like the po- It's positive. We're trying to make friends in this life. It's the greatest. It's the great look. Here I am down in Nashville. Yeah. Hanging out with Jimmy Lopez, talking yeah. on a podcast because you invited me to the gig at Bembe and yeah. blew my mind and had a wonderful time. Yeah, you're great. So I don't know. I think friendships is very important. And it, 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 then I do see like, I don't want to use the word hate, but I do see this this energy that some people are just like, no. Vibe. There's comp- competition. Comp- yeah, there's and competitive that's vibe. healthy too. I don't want you to in my circle because people might like you more than me, you know, for whatever it is. And, you know, and, and you know, I've seen percussion, no, we're both percussionists, percussionists that have a more of a better business thing going on and better presentation Hey, shit, even play better. But it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So if someone likes you, they're going to like you. You know, now we're talking about clients now. If someone likes you, they're going to like you. They're going right. to, I like this guy's vibe. Or DJs, I like this other person. They kill it. They have a light show. They shoot laser beams out of their eyes when they're doing drum patterns. But this other guy is really cool. This other yeah. guy is really cool. He made he, me feel good about myself <laughs> when I talked to you know? him. And there, there's a huge. Yeah. And, and like, why wouldn't you try mm. to make somebody feel good about themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's takeaway with that. So after Love Sexy, I'm meeting different DJs, playing maybe with three other DJs at this point. Cool. And then the party transferred over to New York City at a place called, I believe it's either Parlor or Parlay. And same DJs, DJ Emski, the jugglers there. This time now that I'm in New York City, so now meeting new people. And that's when I quickly discovered that this thing that I'm doing with DJs is a thing that has been going on for some time. So now now the historical content is starting to come into my life where people now, and when you start doing something in any music, whether it's DJ music or music outside of DJ culture, any band or whatever, people start coming up to, oh, you ever heard of so-and-so? You know, oh, you're, you're playing, reminds me of this person, you should go check out this person. You know, that, that thing started happening. So within the DJ culture, the first name that started coming out when I hit New York City playing with DJs was the name Nappy G. That person. Go check him out. He's still on. He's still online, killing it. Playing drums. Playing right? percussion, and he's a DJ now. Okay. Which is great. And we get to play music together. I get to play music with him while he's DJ now, which is great, like years later. Wow. Yeah, so it comes full circle. So Turntables on the Hudson was the name of the party that no were they, well I think I no, I think they they were already doing their thing. Turntables or Hudson was already doing their thing, and this previous group was still doing their thing, but they're kinda on their way out. And that group was called the Organic Grooves, which was Exactly what the name is, Organic Grooves. So it's a DJ with live instrumentation. So it was a DJ with a guitar player, with a bass player, two percussionists. One of them was Mike T, who still plays percussion in New York City. And I know one of the DJs from Turntables of Hudson, he says he was playing percussion. He's in Mariano. Shit was playing percussion, but I know Mike T was a percussionist. Nappy G started coming in. Zeb, a guitar player. I believe was playing guitar. Gregory was the bass player. I wish I could remember. That Gregory Cage. I mean, it might have been. Gregory was playing bass. They had horn players, different musicians from like Africa. It was cre- It was awesome. And from Organic Grooves, 
DJ Nicodemus, who was, when he started coming in, started playing with them, teamed up with Nappy G and I think Mariano, and they broke off and became turntables on the Hudson because they were doing stuff on the Hudson, right by the Hudson River. There's a place called the Frying Pan, and it's best, the best. I'll always, that to me will always be like New York when I think of them. So you go to the Frying Pan, I know, I'm de- detouring again. You go to the frying pan. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Like, where was this <laughs> oh, happening? Oh, in, yeah. in, in the piers. Oh, man, the piers. By the piers, man. What, what piers, man? Oh, man, I wish I could remember the piers, man. So by the piers, and there's this big open space. There's, there's, a, there's a boat on the side, like an old rusty boat. You can go inside that boat, too, and there's a DJ inside that boat. And it's crazy. A lot of asbestos was inside that boat. It's crazy, <laughs> man. But it was crazy. There's a lot of asbestos in there, man. Yeah. And then, okay, so you go. Now, you, now you're on this big platform. And you're overlooking in this water. And it's like, whoa. And then this loose short dude with curly hair comes out. That's DJ Nicodemus. He stands in the middle. It's like something out of a, like, a, like, a, like a gladiator movie. And then like turntables literally from the ceiling come down on this like pulley system. And it goes down and it stops at the perfect height where he can do his thing. And then everybody's like, yeah. I'm like, what is this? You know? And my first turntables on the Hudson Experience, they had these African drummers playing before the DJ thing happened. So walking to the place called the Frying Pan, you're hearing this African stuff in the distance. Like, what is this? And you see like five or ten African dudes playing African drums and people dancing. It was the craziest thing. I was like, whoa, this is amazing. What is this? I don't know what's going on. What is, is there? A D- they said there's a DJ here. I don't see anything. I just see African drummers and people having a great time. And then they finished their set. And then that's, like I said, that, okay, so that's when Nicodemus came on stage and his turntables came down. And then there was a set of timbales and congas on the side of the stage. And you're like, whoa, what's that? And then some dude comes with long dreadlocks and some like Caucasian looking dude with curly hair comes up. That's Christian Rogers, the conga player, and Nappy G, the percussionist, and, and Nicodemus. So those are the names, the first names I've heard. So par- Parlor, going back now, Parlor was, I think Parlor or Parlay was the first official place I started playing in New York City. And then I wanted to go move in New York. After Parlor, I was starting to play like places around town, but I was working my day job at Guitar Set, Sam Ash. Sam Ash Music. I was working at Sam Ash. And then... In Jersey? In New York at this time now. The one uh, around 30th? Yes. Or 30... 30th Street. 48th Street. 48th Street. Street. Oh, okay. Famous Sam Ash, 48th Street. So now we're in 2001. I'm working at Sam Ash. And I'm there. And I'm starting to do recording sessions with people because at this time I'm now doing recording sessions. I'm making friends and like, Hey, I want you to put percussion on my recording. So that started, I'm still talking about just DJ stuff right now. The other stuff, other, I was still playing with bands doing rock and other type of music. Now, now I'm playing world music. Now at this point I'm playing with playing some Arabic stuff and, um, going into the DJ stuff. I remember I did a recording session for a friend of mine named DJ Kong. Conrado Martinez. I don't know if he has an actual DJ name, but he comes from... Yeah, so Conrado Martinez and DJ Frank Rempe. Those two dudes. So I did a recording for them. I knew Conrado because at the time Conrado was working at Sam Ash too, but he was already like known in the, um, in the, in the DJ world and house music world. Did a recording for them. It was really good. Really good recording. So they started putting it out. 
So I'm like, yeah, I'm on a DJ album, you know, ringing up drums. That's you great. Want, you want sticks with that? Okay, great. You're like, house music? Hey, check out this. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was a fun time. Fun times. You like keep a few in your coat pocket? Yeah, like, hey, yeah. You, you know, you know? 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you side deals, some side deals. So Frank Rempe, DJ Frank Rempe, got connected with his party called Now Parties. Now Parties are starting. I'm realizing parties have names. These parties are called, like these parties. This party called Refuge. With This is how I met DJ Sean Cormack and DJ John Chick. They call him Chick because the last name is Akechiatori. So they call him Chick for short. Great DJs though. Killer. Killer house music DJ. Killer. And a person who just recently passed away. He's the guy that fished. So he's the guy that officially got me my start in New York City. And, and, and shout outs to him and my condolences at the same time to his family and friends. Luigi. Luigi Buati. I probably killed his name, but his name, he was my brother, Luigi. Luigi was the guy who hired me. So what happened was... To the, to the refuge party? Yes. Okay. So this is how that happened. So they were thinking about, man, it would be cool to have it. But the story that was told to me, they were thinking of having a percussionist play with their DJs at a place called Les Souk on Avenue C. The original Les Souk on Avenue C. Not the one that's around LaGuardia place or whatever. Les Souk, Avenue C. That was the spot back in the day. That was the sp- one of the spots. You know, you're in the village, and then you're just going, going to go. Refuge party is at Le Souk? Refuge party is at Le Souk. The original Le Souk. And that's, you're like hitting your groove. You're like, well, oh, man, I haven't got the good. job yet. I'm, okay, we're okay. We're skipping, we're skipping, we're skipping. I'm messing with you. I love you. So, okay. So, Frank Rempe started playing with the guys from Refuge. And one of the DJs or the, the party go, the 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 event guy was Luigi. He was just putting the party together. He's like, I'm going to throw a party. I'm going to do it here. I'm going to bring my DJs and we'll work out, you know, how much I make from the door or from the drinks, whatever. That was the whole thing. But he was like the host. He knew a lot of people. People came, so he had great DJs. So they were talking about having a percussionist. So Luigi was like, I got a guy I want to bring in. No, so Luigi was like, hey, what about a percussionist? So there was another DJ named Larry. I can't remember his DJ, but he's Larry. He was there. I knew Larry because I was dating a girl at the time who worked with him at a record label. But Larry knew the refugees guys because he's one of the DJs. He knows them. He's connected with them. Now, Larry, so when, when Luigi was like, let's get a percussionist, Frank Rempe was like, I got a guy. You, Jimmy Lopez. Right. Okay. Larry was like, I got a guy. Which is me again because of my association with the girl. Her name is Samantha, and Plot Larry twist. knew. And Larry knew I was playing with DJs. So Larry was like, "Okay." So Frank was like, "Well, so Larry." So they were talking. Well, I got to go. They didn't mention my name for some reason. The name didn't come out. It was just like, I got a guy. He did this. Well, I got a guy. He did this. So Fluey was like, "Okay, I'll tell you what. This week we'll use your guy, and then next week we'll use your guy. So what's the guy's name so I can have the number?" So so Frank was like, "Oh, his name is Jimmy Lopez," and Larry was like, "Well, that's my guy. He's Jimmy Lopez." So Luigi was like, all right, well, you know what? This settles it. Bring him in. I just I love how this is. I got a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a time, believe it or not, when now you go to clubs everywhere and there's a percussionist there. There was actually a time where that was not a big thing. There was a handful of people, literally a handful of people. That was Nappy G, Christian Rogers from Turntables in the Hudson. Then you had Mike T from Organic Grooves. And then when Organic Grooves stopped he was spilled over to other parties and doing stuff then you had a gentleman a legend his name is frank the animal kelly he's a drum set player 
killer, killer drum set player. So he would play drum sets with DJs. Frank the Animal, been around for years. I think he lived out in Long Island. I think. I've never heard of him. Yeah. I, 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 I Even from you, I've never heard of him. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Hope he's still alive. Frank the Animal. There was a, I can't, Popple Swing, Popple Swing, Popple Swing, Popple Swing, who was coming out from the Louis Vega schools of house music, I believe, doing the recording session. So Popple Swing was another cat. So there weren't that many people playing with DJs, believe it or not. There was literally like a handful of cats that were doing it in the city. It was still a small thing. So from there, I started coming in. I started becoming a guy who was working in a lot of the clubs. And, and that allowed me to meet so many DJs and so many producers and so many people. Eventually meeting turntables and Hudson. Chris Annabelle was another person. DJ Osiris was a person that had me. So from Parlay came Le Souk. Le Souk was the official place where I got my start, playing with DJs. That's where the school began, where I developed my style of playing with DJs. That's why, that's why, so Lesuk, from Lesuk, then came just all, that just exploded. And I was able to leave my day job because Luigi hired me, and then, and then Lesuk, the club actually hired me. So they're like, okay, we want you to play this day. And then two weeks later, a few weeks later, all right, now we want you to play this day and this day. So, so it became a thing where I'm doing it four, four nights a week. I'm grateful that I was able to make money doing it, and I was able to leave my day job to do it. That's wild. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Stars in your eyes as you tell that story. That yeah. part, well, we want you to play extra days. You're like, oh, man, I'm good at this. Yeah. It feels good, right? Like, yeah, it felt great. Like, yeah. the month, like, compared to what I would charge, what we would charge now for what I was getting, that it's a whole. Yeah. It was like nothing, but it was. I was able to, if I... I just took the leap of faith. I'm gonna do it, and that was the place. And so that, so the DJ culture gave me my big break as a musician. It wasn't playing with like traditional bands and stuff like that. Although I've always played with traditional bands and doing stuff and traveling and things, but it was the DJ culture which my 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 I was able to be recognized as a percussionist in New York City. So I was at this point now. I'm doing recording sessions and and playing in clubs and developing my style of continuation of playing and listening to the DJ. What is the DJ doing? Um, now DJs are giving me songs to learn and to know, hey, this is some of the stuff I'm going to be playing. So if you hear this, I would really love for you to do this. But if you hear this song or that song, I would love for you to not play because it's something specific that I'm doing with these songs. Okay, cool. So that starts, so that whole me communicating with DJs now as like duos and, and, and bandmates. Collaborative. That's, yeah, that started happening. Cool. Les Sac? Les, Les Souk. Les Souk. Avenue C. And how long did you play there? Do you oh my God, I was probably there for four years. Okay, as that's a, a like a resident. Like a real resident percussion. That's four so cool. Four years, every, like, consecutive, like literally four years. Was that like Friday nights or Saturday nights? That was Tuesday nights. I'm going to say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Just four nights a week, just there. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday Friday. Friday. Sometimes, sometimes a Saturday, sometimes a Sunday. Like, for four years straight, it was just, I was doing stuff when all sorts of DJs walked in there. So that's, like I said, that was like a school for me, because now I got to hear all these different types of house music. And it was a lot, it was a lot of house music. There was hardly any hip-hop or anything like that. Just at Le Souk. Outside of Le Souk, yeah, so I'm playing all types of stuff with DJs, but like at Le Souk in general, it was just generally like a house music 
place that was it was a restaurant it is a moroccan restaurant by the daytime and then after eight o'clock all the tables get put somewhere and now a dance floor just comes out of nowhere so so that was the thing so it was owned by these two cats from northern africa and like i said they, they had a dj booth they had two floors they had the basement which was and then the upstairs dining area and it was way amazing all sorts of DJs come in like like a lot famous world famous DJs that were like at that time I remember it was Stasha and Digweed those were the, that was those were the oh, DJs cool. those were like at that time Sasha they're still around they're yeah, still around yeah. yeah so it's Sasha and Digweed DJ Sasha will come in his father at the at this at this time his father was his manager and it was it was just fun but there was a time where I just played with DJs because I wanted to play with DJs because I got frustrated playing with bands because of the bands I was playing with at that time, they were great bands and great musicians, but no one wanted to go to the next step. No one wanted to be like that band that goes into, that thinks about, that can't, that, that can't stop thinking about recording an album and touring and selling music and living off of selling music and tickets, like all that stuff. Like I wanted that. I always wanted that. Still want that. I get to live parts of it and there's so much that happens within it there's new things to explore so I'm grateful just to continue to live in it at that time I want to be in the I love being in the band but I love playing with DJs too but I just love being in the band so I want to be in a band and then there's just no band it was like oh you know it wasn't like it wasn't their priority so I was like okay let me stop playing with bands if you know if it's not a priority for none of you guys but these DJs that's what they want to do that's what they talk about. Oh, I want to go to Europe and play in front of. I'm like, okay, we're coming from two different things. But that's in the, the right vibe. That's but what, that's the vibe. We're thinking on the same level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Think I stopped big. playing with bands altogether and only exclusively played with DJs for years, like years. After Laysuk, what were the like the next three? Oh my God, I connected with a group of people who call themselves French Tuesdays. French Tuesdays in the DJ culture world and the event world outside of just club dancing dj debauchery craziness great music french tuesday was no different but french tuesday was more of a a place of promoters there's a group of promoters who were of course french getting together and putting shows together for people who are french and who are who love their culture who love who love just being it was just marketing the marketing was for french people and if you don't like the French people and you like our parties, you can come too. But there was predominantly every, every person that I met there is French. Spoke either is French or knew how to speak French. Okay. So French Tuesdays was this big thing in New York City. Where was it? Time. All different clubs. So they would go from club to club to club to club. Oh, okay. That was, that was the whole thing. Like, you, a cl- like a party production yes, kind of thing. Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah, so you would buy, you'd be a member. So they got the money where you'd be a member. You get your French Tuesday card. So when you go to the clubs where they're presented, you press your, you press your card and they'll say, oh, oh, you're at this membership status. You get a table plus this bottle and you get to have oh. this and that. And they're like, Okay, you're on this status, so you get to go blah 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 whatever. Oh, oh, you haven't paid your dues yet, so I don't know if we can let you in. Okay, I'll pay my dues. But it was a huge production, huge. Like they would go from any whatever the biggest clubs at the time was, that's where they would do it, and they would fill it up because there was so many people a part of that. So I remember Eric. I remember so through French Tuesdays, I was DJ culture again. 
I was I remember playing a lot of clubs that just opened for the first time. One and one in particular is a club, Pasha. Pasha oh, really? by Eric Murillo. When Eric Murillo, God bless his soul, another another DJ person who left this earth, Eric Murillo opened up. Well, his name was largely associated with. I'm sure he had partners, but Eric Murillo's club, Pasha, Club Pasha. I've been there. Yeah. Not to play. I, I before like a year or so before it closed. Oh. And it was past its like it was kind of like this is a dud. It's By the five time year, it's five year, ten year cycle. Now. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah. So Club Pasha was the so I was I played there before but, it opened. But it was it a rager. I I've heard oh, like yeah, it, it was, was crazy. crazy. It was yeah. Where'd so you so play I would the play main... there. I was on the main floor. I was on the main floor With at this the time. Three I levels had... above it, right? Yeah, or, or so at least one level above it. I was it. set up in the area. Yeah, so I was set up in the area where if no matter what level you're on, you could look down and you see this big. Now, French Tuesdays purchased for me a huge drum kit. Oh, they bought you drums? Dude, it was, yeah, I got pictures of it somewhere online. It's this huge, like. Please send me that. Yeah, it's yeah. like a drum set with a slew of percussion. So if I want to play a drum set on something and do a drum solo, I can do that. And if the DJ's playing, I can play my congas, timbales, bongos, all the weed, whatever I wanted. Whatever I wanted. Like, what do you want? What do you need? We buy it for you. No problem. No problem. But I love them. And these, those guys gave me so much love. They gave me so much love. I have nothing bad to say about That's that amazing. organization. They took me to different countries to play. They started branching out. I was in, playing Indonesia with DJs, playing whatever, you know, Mexico, Dominican Republic. We were just, they were just flying me to play because that's where they were. Because they're because they get so big in New York, they're just like, okay, we're so big here. Let's go to Brazil. Let's start one up in Brazil. Apparently, there's a French culture in Brazil. Let's go to Haiti or Dominican Republic. There's a French culture. So so they just so. And so this there. was like French house music. No, it was ah, but it, it was a part of it. Whatever was popular at the time, plus the French guys. I I think I played with a. I'm gonna say this because it's been said. I did not know who this person was at the time, but I'm gonna state this because that's what they told. <laughs> this is what they told me. So they hired David Guetta at one point. Whoa! And I did a show with David. I didn't know who he was, but they were saying, "Oh my God, Jimmy, you play the God. You right, play right. with the God. You're the goat. You." So I was like, "I don't I have no idea." And I think this was in Florida at the time. We did something in Miami. So and there's another name, Bob Sinclair. Okay. I don't DJ. know Bob Sinclair. Bob Sinclair was huge at that time. I had a chance to play with him. And and they would fly over DJs from France. Or that are French. Or have some sort. And so Birdie Nam Nam was a French DJ. DJ was a French DJ group, which they were turntablers living Scratching and they would all make this beautiful music together. It was it was a great time, man. So through French Tuesdays I played in all the A-list clubs that existed in New York City at that time. What year? Marquee was still a thing. Uh, a place called Show was still a place. Oh man, I wish I Pink Ele Pink Elephant was another place. I remember Pangea was a place. Man, obviously, like, I guess Tao, Tao was probably still new at this time. Tao was a place. It was this place with elephant tusks. And it was like an African theme. Man, I wish I could... But anyway, West, on the west side, like around 26th Street and 10th Avenue, they had all these clubs there, all these big clubs, very posh, upscale places where you have to get type table service. I was there. Yeah. It was fun. Cool. It was fun times, man. I could play saxophone players, other percussion. At this time, it's like, it's 
has now at this time I've seen it grow to now it's like oh it's, 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 now it's like saxophone other percussionists guitar players violinists so now I was being exposed to all this other stuff and it's like oh it's really cool so French Tuesdays bought you a significant drum set like I'll follow up with you to, to get a picture <laughs> I can't wait to see it's it it's crazy that's awesome it's crazy so I would use um, that and again another like validating feeling like wow these guys not only want me to play with them all the time they bought me drums did they move the drums for you you could just show up you show up at the gig and the drums were there yes yes they had a warehouse yeah that's, yeah, I love those dudes. We love each other. That's God level gig, Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. Go you. Thanks, man. It was fun. It was fun times. That's so cool. Fun times, man. It was really fun times and playing with a lot of DJs. Playing at a at this point, I'm playing through them. I'm pretty much playing clubs that already existed and or breaking in new 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 clubs that are about to open. So that was their thing. Like, oh, come come to Pasha. You know, we're we're gonna be doing it Tuesday before the grand opening on Friday and come meet you know you know the whole thing was eric marillo's place and you know and so everybody would go like is eric gonna be there eric i don't think eric was even i think he kind of like looked and like okay <laughs> and just right. like left but myself and nappy g nappy g was there too he did that show with me so i can't say i was the first person to play there because he he played with he we was it was a dual percussion for that show and we had a saxophone player named johannes from from Russia, amazing saxophone player, still plays with DJs to this day. So yeah, man, so through them, I'm playing the nightclubs, the A-list clubs, and as well as playing all many B-list clubs, C-list clubs, little holes in the wall. And the wedding thing took off. Don't remember exactly when I, I, I was playing weddings at this time, but it, it wasn't something that it, it, it became a thing, like an ongoing thing until I played at a club called Club Circle. The Korean spot? Yes. It might I have been snuck a... in there once. It was wild. Okay. It might have been Arena at the time, or was it Circle and then became Arena? I do not remember. I just remember two really cool club owners named Joe and... I can't remember the other guy's name. Dang. Dang it. And I see him on uh, Clubhouse talking. But I don't know. I know Joe was one of them, and but the the other name will come up. Those two guys hired me because I don't remember how I met one of the guys. I met him. I met. He, he probably came to a show where I was playing and stuff like that. But they opened up a Korean nightclub, that was, just like how French Tuesdays was a thing, introducing me to like a lot of French, and French-ish people. Club Circle introduced me to the wide range, the wide range of, the Korean nightlife. And Asian nightlife. They had amazing DJs. So I didn't fly places from them. It's just like I was set up on this nice stage and playing with the DJ. And the people really loved it. And so from there, got to play with like some international Korean pop pop musicians and hip-hop artists. Like I remember Busta Rhymes came and he did it like a, he was on a microphone, Busta Rhymes. And he does this thing. The DJ, the music stopped for some reason. He DJ pressed the wrong button, and the music stopped. And Buster Rhymes looking around, and then I, I had electronic drum kit. I had electronic drums at that time for that particular show. So I started. I forgot the name of the forgot the name of the song. Sorry guys, but it was the one that's boom 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 boom. So I started playing that beat, and he was like, "Oh, okay." So he started rhyming over. So I, I helped. I helped. You know, he was just so it was like a nice impromptu between him and I. I was just like. Boop. 
boom, boom, boom. He was like, he was doing this Buster Rhymes thing, and it, it was really cool. Then the DJ people was... go crazy for those moments. When yeah, there's a technical difficulty. Yeah, and, and there's live musicians here, and you fill in the space. They yeah. love that. See how we feel? Yeah. Up? See how he's how important this is? Yes. So see, it's important. Which is a matter of fact, like should be part of the show if you're really if you're really going for it. Yeah. Make a make a technical difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Everybody out there, so your musicians have a chance to like. You know, let people know they're alive for a second that real well, things give happen. Them a, give them a thing. Give them yeah. a spot. Give them a spot. At club. Or don't. I mean, yeah. whoever's listening, live your life. <laughs> Serena, the violin diva, would come in. I've known Serena for, for years before that. We would do stuff at Lesu together. So if you don't know Serena, she's, she's big in the DJ culture world, playing violin, long, beautiful hair. She plays amazing. And so she would come play for like 15 minutes and, Hey Jimmy, Serena, play. Then I kill it. Okay, Jimmy, bye. See you later, Serena. Just right. She'll go to five or six other clubs. She's such a hustler. I love her. So through them, I started to get in touch with that community of DJs and and marketing for like weddings, doing like weddings for you know a lot a lot of Koreans because you know it's predominantly a Korean nightclub. So working with like Korean event planners and things like that, playing percussion. Cool. Yeah, it's cool. I like weddings. I love the way. So, okay. So through them, through the nightclubs, that's how I got into weddings. And the company that officially took me under their wings was a company called We Like the Party. It's a small little party, a little wedding company out in Long Island. And through them, I started to really, 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 that's when I started to really, really do like weddings. I got into the more of the wedding thing. I was playing weddings before, but it was more like, the people wanted that nightclub DJ, that percussionist, because they wanted their wedding to be like a nightclub. And it was more like a nightclub. It wasn't like traditional weddings you would see. It was just like people come in, they got married, and in this party, it was just dancing all night and just a phase, whatever. But through We Like to Party, that company, they got me into the wedding thing. I don't know if I jumped a gun on questions or anything. Like that. No. <laughs> and it was with them was I got it into it. Like Lay Soup. And then the circle clubs, like you were saying, is uh, like, like that Suk, the timeline. Laysuk was the first official residency. I was playing other places, right? Like I'll play this place once every week, once every week, and this other place. But Laysuk was the place I was there for like four to five nights a week, like like literally four to five nights a week. And then from them, French Tuesdays. All right. Even though it was Tuesday, but it was with them that I was playing ev every Tuesday. At every single, and this was going on for years too. This was another gig that lasted another four years. And for, I'm going to say at the least four years, being their resident percussionist playing at every club, every Tuesday, we're playing this club, that club, next week, this club, next week, that club, and blah, blah, blah. We're going to go to Mexico. We're going to go to whatever, the Dominican Republic. So that place. So through them, event planners would hire me for special events through that stuff. And then it wasn't until I went to the, the Korean nightclub is when I specifically like signed on with a specific wedding company to be their person to play Friday, Saturdays, and Sunday weddings. That's getting us pretty close to today. Okay. Right? I, I, I would say... Getting into... We, like, we mean, like, where I'm at? Yeah, weddings, and then when we met, like, right? Like... Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I think I was kind of still working... I was kind of still working for We Like the Party when you and I first met. Okay. I was still, but I was more getting back into the, I was still playing with bands, but talking about the nightclub stuff. That At this point, I was like, now I want to start concentrating on 
just playing again with outside of the wedding stuff, uh-huh. going back into like the jungle. <laughs> you know what I mean? The- How long were you at Bembe? Oof. I'm going to say maybe. I'm probably going to say, I want to say four, another four years. Okay. I really want to say another four years. Cool. So you have, this is, uh, I've said, I've called out like the freelance lifestyle yeah. of musicians. They usually go hand in hand. And you've had a really interesting combination. This like a really interesting journey of it Thanks. where you get regular gigs for a time and they go on quite long, like resident gigs. And then otherwise, like you're taking other work where it fits in and moving from one spot to the next. That's really awesome. From what was the place? Once I got the 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 residency at Le Souk, that was when I stopped having like a day job that has nothing to do with music. Everything has been music at that point. Right. So through Le through Le Souk, I was able to. That's when I learned to hustle. Like okay. hustle. The hustle has got me to Le Souk. Right, hustling and playing music and always saying yes, yeah, I can do it, I can do it, yeah, I can do it. Now it's like I don't have this other job, this nine to five thing that has nothing to do with playing right. music and receiving. Is now okay? Now I'm playing music. At this point in Lesu, going back, it was at night, so they start at ten, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two, three, yeah, from ten to four in the morning, right? So now during the day. I'm realizing I have hours in the day. Don't know what to do because I'm so used to having waking up at seven in the morning, getting right. to the place at nine, leaving at six forty-five, seven o'clock, going to my gig, rushing just, to the gig, rushing right. to the gig, yeah. getting there super early and just hanging out and just seeing it how it just goes to the next step and just start setting up. And now I'm set up, and people are like, "Ooh, what's, what's going to happen later?" So now it's like during the day, I have this long gap. So I would enjoy sleep. I would go to all my favorite drum stores. <laughs> you know, this is before any social, this was before MySpace, before like MySpace, like, you know, before MySpace, this is the, none of this stuff, Facebooks and Instagram, the, the, the web, the, the web, the, 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 the social media wasn't even a was nowhere near what was going on. I think I just got a web, no, an email at that time. Yeah, I started an email, so I would, I didn't even have a computer, so I would go rent, I would go to some place and just sit down and pay for, to use their computer for a couple of, like, two, oh, wow. for an hour a day, just check my emails. Oh, somebody called me for a wedding thing. Okay, and then work it out. I had a, <clears throat> I had the early version of, uh, at that time was Virgin Megastore was still a thing in New York City. So my first cell phone was a Virgin cell phone, the flip thing. Nowhere near the technology that exists today. Just someone will call and text. You know what I mean? There was no social. I can't post a video on a social. None of that crap. <clears throat> well, the wonderful things that exist today. So it was, it was wild. So I, during the day, I would have to. So I was like, okay, so I have all this. T- I finally put my, you know, appreciated going around, checking out what I want to check out. Now I have t- all this time to visit the city, all these places I could never go to before because of work and whatever. Now I can just walk to the museums and whatever. Then I had this thing. It was a weird feeling. The weirdest feeling I've ever had being a freelance person who's in control of their music and their lifestyle, their destiny as a musician, walking the path of, holy crap, I always wanted to be a musician and make money as a musician. Never thought about what I would do, how to sustain that. 
or what to do with my time before that. So now I was learning. So I remember I felt weird when I would 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock walk around and, and then see people having lunch and rushing eating lunch just to go back to work. And then the city at 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock is kind of quiet because everybody's in the buildings speaking and just one of the few just... At that point, it was weird. I felt weird. I felt like, man, I, I felt trying to think of the correct word. It was like guilty or something like that. Like, and like I broke out of this matrix and feel weird because I don't know. It was a weird vibe. I, I can't describe You're it. You're doing something different. Doing something different. Doing something kind of that what I we love. Grew up on being told like you get a job, you work, right? Like it's like nine to five. That's ideal, but yeah. it's not necessarily ideal. Yeah. And it's like, wow, am I, am I, is this what I'm supposed to, is this what I'm supposed to be? Like, it was, it, I've never had that. I never had that freedom before. So I did not know how to exist with it. You know, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anybody else that at that time lived that lifestyle. Well, there were musicians that I played, but I wasn't friends with them. I could be like, so what do I do? So I had to figure it out. Okay, now I have time to practice and learn. So now I'm going to learn all this stuff I never had time to learn before. I have... I don't even think YouTube was a thing yet. YouTube wasn't even this. It was all DCI videos. You know what I mean? Cool. So, yeah, so I would go, Sam, you know, collect all those DCI videos I had from Sam Ash and uh, relearn. And now, at this point in time in my life, I started seeking out percussion teachers and drum teachers and learning music and stuff like that. So now I, I was able to, like, okay, this is what I need to do. At this time, too, I had problems with drinking and narcotics, too, because the nightlife scene, I didn't have anybody who to teach me the right and wrong thing. So at this time, I was still, I was drinking, but, you know, there was, but I was able to, to do what I needed to do, to get what I needed to get, by st but I was still partying a little too much. So getting sober was one of the major things I needed to do in order for me to maintain what I'm doing. Because I, I at this point, I, I, I do read books about my heroes and how they their careers took a turn for the worse because of narcotics, drinking, and drugs. So I, I had to quickly figure, I figured out, okay, now I'm here doing this thing, I got to get off drugs. I got to get off drugs. I got to get off alcohol. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Frank's Percussion Podcast. Look for the second part to be released in a couple weeks. Check out Jimmy Lopez on Instagram at Jimmy Lopez Percussionist and at Jimmy underscore Lopez underscore Percussionist underscore two. If you'd like to be on the show, reach me on Instagram at Frank's Percussion. Thanks for listening.